Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Let's Talk Chapel podcast. I'm Jackie and joining me is Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer. Hi, Jackie. So where are you in the world these days? It's sometimes hard to keep track of, of where you are. I am in the UK. You have a visa and everything worked out? Yes, I'm legal. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yes, it was a long time coming, but I've done it. Yes, being an illegal alien is not <laughs> ideal, I don't think, in most cases. No. So. Um, I, I never had any intention of uh, being an illegal alien, but uh, when COVID sort of shut the whole world down, I kind of got trapped. And then, yeah, eventually uh, everything opened up and I was able to leave. And so the whole time I was getting my visa processed, I was super worried that that would come back to haunt me. But I guess enough people got trapped here that uh, they were understanding. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Safety in numbers, I guess, in that <laughs> yes. case. Um, so I am in um, a place called Pitt Meadows, which is just a suburb outside Vancouver. And um, yeah, today we're going to talk about kind of like online business and um, writing books and that kind of thing. Um, I'm making uh, my, my living doing that, that kind of thing these days. And it all started kind of as just like a hobby. Uh, for fun that I did in Korea. And Jennifer and I co-wrote a bunch of books together. And um, yeah, these days I'm doing it full time. And um, yeah, so Jennifer was going to ask me a bunch of questions um, related to that, and I'll do my best to answer them. So I'll turn it over to you, Jennifer. Okay. Yeah, well, I thought um, a couple of things, like obviously uh, all you see on the news is global recession coming and all that. And uh, as we have seen in past global recessions, there there can be a couple of uh, responses. One is uh, all the foreign teachers lose their jobs, or uh, maybe they don't lose their jobs, their schools don't close, but the exchange rate is so bad that they can't uh, pay their student loans or whatever other debts they might have. Another thing that can happen is that lots of people uh, lose their jobs in their home country, so they go overseas to teach. And so I've seen both of those things happen in various recessions and bad uh, economic situations over the past mm -hmm. couple of decades. So uh, with a global recession coming, one of those could happen, or uh, people could just be looking for uh, ways to make some extra money using their language teaching skills. So I thought it would be a good time to pick your brain for some ideas. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, so I thought first, um, maybe you could just sort of talk about how you first sort of dipped your toes into uh, making money online, because as you said, it was uh, in Korea while you were teaching. Uh, so uh, taking advantage of the relatively low working hours. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I started out with this blog called My Life Teaching in a Korean University. And um, it was kind of the first and only blog of that kind from a you know Korean university teacher. And um, there are a lot of people who teach in universities in Korea. So it kind of, I think, resonated with a lot of people and they were kind of like looking for something like that, but nobody was actually doing it so specifically 
for that audience. And um, it became quite popular, actually. And I got like a ton of traffic and a ton of um, questions from people and that kind of thing. And um, I started just kind of speaking at like Cotisol conferences. And um, yeah, I just, I guess I became like a little bit well known among the Korean expats, um, the, the ESL teacher expats. And um, yeah, so people would often ask me, how can I get a university job? So basically like almost every day I was answering questions related to like interviews and demo lessons and like how to apply and um, what to wear and can you, can I do in, like, and, like an interview on, on Zoom or whatever. And so I, one day I was listening to a podcast. It was Pat Flynn's podcast, Smart Passive Income. And there was someone on there talking about self-publishing books. And I just was like, oh, <laughs> I could do that. Like I have this knowledge that people want, um, which was obvious because they just kept asking me questions all the time. So I took kind of all that information that was already on my website and those questions that I'd answered and I put it into a book, how to get a university job in South Korea. And I self-published it. I mean, and the learning curve was a bit steep to do that first book. And I made lots of mistakes and, and everything. But despite all of that, people actually bought copies of that book and just really said, like, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your help. And I took down a lot of that information from my website. Um, so if people wanted that information, they'd have to pay for it. And it wasn't a lot. I think I charged like $2.99 uh, for the ebook version of that. And um, yeah, so that was kind of how I first got my my start. And I kind of like, it opened my eyes to the world of like, oh, wow, like I have information that people want and people are willing to pay a few bucks um, to get that information. So that was just kind of the beginning um, of how it all started. Okay. Uh, yeah, I remember that website and you're right like there were lots of blogging teachers in Korea but everybody's mm -hmm. blog seemed to be more um more like travel blogs or culture blogs or mm -hmm. um I don't know I guess like the kind of forerunner to being influencers you know back before influencers were a thing you know back before mm -hmm. social media was really a thing or that big uh, so yours definitely stood out as something that was uh, for people looking to go to Korea to get a university job rather than people uh, who might go to Korea and happen to teach on the side, but they really wanted to be a photographer or whatever, which mm -hmm. seemed like a lot of other people were more into. Yes, and I actually actively avoided I'm kind of covering like, and then I traveled here on the weekend and then here's the picture of the temple, like that kind of thing. And I mean, I did all that stuff on the weekends, but um, I just thought actually there was enough people already doing that, that they didn't need like another very similar voice to that. So on that website, I talked like logistics about teaching in a university, like um, the cultural expectations and like lesson plans and um yeah, that kind of thing. And I think people really found it helpful. They would look up like um, syllabus for teaching in a Korean university and my results would be number one. It would be the only result actually <laughs> on Google <laughs> in a lot of cases for, for that kind of stuff, just because nobody else was talking about it. So um, yeah, I think people really found that helpful at that time. Yeah. Nobody wanted to share. <laughs> mm. Some people. No, I'm not sure uh, why. Very, but... um, 
yeah, some people could just be very protective of uh, their lesson plans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think we've talked about that before. Like it always kind of sucked when you would share with a colleague and then six months later, you would have those same students and they had already used all your lesson materials Mm. with those students. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, teacher, I've done this already. Oh, okay. (laughs) So bad. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Oh yeah. It happens for sure. Or it can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that was your first sort of foray into making money online was uh, Mm. the blog. And so was the blog, monetized in any way or was it just when you uh, put the book on uh, Amazon that you sort of monetized it? Uh, Well, that blog was very like old school when I first started it. So it was on Blogger, um, the old blog spot um, kind of thing. So I didn't monetize it in any way. Um, But then eventually during my time in Korea, I started doing um, like self-hosted WordPress sites. So if you don't know what self-hosted means, it basically means that you control 100% of the content. So you pay a hosting company um, that has the databases and they serve your data, your web pages to the world, as opposed to somewhere like Blogger or like whatever other companies do this too, um, where they host it, which means they have control over your website, basically, Um, where if you host it yourself, you pay money to do that, but then nobody can control your content, you have a hundred percent freedom to put ads on there or to like put any kind of content that you want out there. So I eventually switched to self-hosted WordPress sites and I did painstakingly, painstakingly moved all of that old content onto a new website. And I did it during one summer vacation. (laughs) I went into the office almost every day for I don't know, like two months or something, because I used to get 10 weeks of vacation. And I worked super hard um, moving that website over and then um, also pumping out some more books and just kind of getting everything up and running. Um, So yeah, I started making money from the websites um, through ads, basically. So like display ads. So, you know, if you visit like a website like Nike, you're looking for some shoes. And then if you go to other websites or other social media stuff, you probably see all these like Nike shoes. Um, So that's like companies will retarget you. So I would have those kinds of ads on my websites. And then um, when people click on those ads, I would get, you know, 25 cents or whatever, whatever it was. So yeah, I started to make some money from the websites through, through ads as well. And so were your ads just like sort of AdSense ads, like Google ads, or did you sell uh, space on the website directly? Um, I just I just did like Google AdSense at first. And then um, eventually when you kind of get a little bit bigger and get more traffic to your websites, you can upgrade to there's other companies like Mediavine or Ezoic, um, and they will just kind of pay you more per views and more per click than Google AdSense will. So um, yeah, so I switched to Ezoic. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the best choice. <laughs> I think Mediavine maybe is slightly better. However, it's just the one that I'm using and I'm not 100% motivated to to switch. Maybe I will be one day in the future, but not right now. So I'm just, you know, cruising along with Ezoic and am reasonably happy with them. So how many total websites do you have now? 
Uh, sure. So I have the teaching in Korean University one that I switched over. And then um, back at, in the day, I started two more websites. So eslspeaking.org and then eslactivity.org. And um, I don't know, I somewhat like love it and then somewhat regret it <laughs> starting three websites there's some advantages advantages and disadvantages so like um obviously running three websites it's logistically like a lot to think about and a lot to manage and um I feel like my efforts sometimes are spread a little bit thin where if I had focused on like one super website it would probably be better than any of the three individual ones that I do however um, there are some advantages to that for sure, starting two or three websites at the same time in a similar area. Because I put articles up on the websites and then if one of them takes off and does super well, I'll put um, kind of a related article on those other websites. And um, in some cases, I'll rank like maybe number one, two, and three <laughs> in Google um, for some like search terms, which... Um, yeah, it can be quite good because people click, you know, like 50% on the first result and then 25% will click on the second result and then, you know, 10% will click on the third result. So that's like 85% of the people or whatever that will um, search for that term will end up on one of my websites. So um, there are some advantages to it for sure, but um, definitely you can't put duplicate con content, like you can't just cut and paste um, content between those websites because then both of your websites will get um, penalized by Google. So it does take some effort to kind of maintain that and and do that. And originally I was going to do different focuses for each of the websites. Um, yeah, but over time, I guess they've ended up becoming a little bit more similar um, than I originally thought they would be. Um, yeah, but it's, it's fine. <laughs> so I think people find all of them helpful in, in some way. And um, yeah, I hope. I hope they do. <laughs> Indeed. And so all of them, um, all of them you make add revenue from. And do you make money directly off the websites in any other way other than like um, linking to Amazon books or anything? Or is that how you make it? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I make money from the ads and then I make money from um yeah, I put up like in each blog post or whatever that I do, I mention a related book that people might find helpful. Um, and then like in the sidebar or two, I have books um, that people can check out. So through that, and then I also um, do, it's called affiliate marketing. So I recommend some products on Amazon. And um, if people click on that link and then buy something on Amazon, I think the cookie is like 24 hours within 24 hours, then you get a little bit of commission. So like 4%. So if I'm talking about, for example, like board games for ESL students, and then I mention like Monopoly, I'll put like an affiliate link to Monopoly to Amazon. And yeah, people can go there and and by that, I don't make a ton of money from that. I know some people make very successful and lucrative <laughs> livings off of Amazon affiliate um, websites, but I don't think I'm necessarily like in the right in the right field um, for that. So, um, yeah. And then I also collect emails um, when you come to my website. You'll get a little pop up asking you to subscribe. So I don't directly make money from that, but I send um, people a series of emails and then I mention some books and I mention some like, check out my YouTube channel, which I make a little bit of money from. 
um, that kind of thing. So yeah, there's like definitely a few various ways that I make money um, online, but mostly the books, I guess, is the most, most successful thing. Okay. And if you were starting over today, what advice would you give someone like some actionable tips for getting started? Yeah, I think that why it's actually been my websites have been successful in my books is that I actually like lived the life of an English teacher and I'm still living the life of an English teacher. Like I'm actually a qualified, experienced English teacher. Um, some people start websites, they just kind of see this like need Um but it's not necessarily something that they know about or passionate about, passionate about, and they pay writers um, to put up articles on that site and that kind of thing. Um, but it's honestly not that easy these days. Google, they um, have this thing, it's EAT, expertise, authority, and trust. So for example, if you have like kind of a health related website, you'll do much better if you're actually a doctor or a nurse or some like health practitioner. Um, as opposed to just some like random <laughs> blogger trying to make a few bucks. So um, yeah, so who's ever starting a website, start it in something that you actually are qualified and experienced with, and that will show through in the content um, of your website, and you'll be more authoritative in the eyes of Google as well, um, which will just make your website yeah do better. And um yeah, so that's kind of the secret to success these days is to actually be qualified to talk about what you're talking about. Okay, and uh, another sort of practical tip, how often would you suggest posting new content? I mean, it doesn't entirely um, matter in the eyes of Google as far as I understand. So um, the thing is you need to update your website with fresh content on a regular basis, I would say. So, so like more than every three or four years, is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. If you leave it for three or four years, Google is like, it's a dead website to them and you're not gonna get any traffic. So if updating it regularly means like one good article a month, then that's that's fine. If it's once a week, that's fine too. Um, yeah, just kind of keep things fresh and you can also go back and update your old articles. So I kind of do a mix of the two. Um, I put up a new article like maybe two or three a month generally on each of the websites. And then I'll go back and update like a few of the older older articles each month as well. Um, and just kind of like go back into the articles and see what keywords is ranking for, but maybe I haven't necessarily targeted. So I'll update the article um, with, with that in mind. So um, that's a way to get fresh content in, in two different ways on your website. But definitely, <laughs> yes, it should be updated on a regular basis if you are serious about, about making money off of it. Okay. And um, how, like in terms of like AdSense and that practically, can you start an mm -hmm. AdSense account like the day that you start your website or do you need to have a certain amount of traffic first? Um, no, most of those programs, you generally need a certain amount of traffic and um, the Amazon affiliate program, I don't, you have to look for like the exact details, but you have to like, like after you sign up, you need to make a sale within 30 days or 60 days or something like that, or you'll get your account basically like shut down. So 
definitely um, just start a website and don't monetize it for the first whatever few months and just kind of focus on getting some traffic and getting some traction and then monetize it um, at that point in time. Yeah, you can't really apply to these um, like monetization programs too early, um, especially Amazon affiliate. That's like one very common thing. People sign up for that program and then don't make a sale and then they get their account shut down and it's hard to get that reinstated actually. So that's definitely a word of caution. Make sure yeah, that you'll good be to able know. to get that sale. Yeah. 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 And I will put out there, um, you can't use your own affiliate account to buy stuff. So don't do that. No, <laughs> no. And don't like, yeah. And then for the ads as well, like don't tell your family members to like click endlessly on all the ads on your websites. Cause it's like, you know, Google is smart. They like track stuff like that. They're like, why is there like a hundred clicks within three days from this one IP address? And it's like, they know, they know that kind of thing. So yeah, don't try to like game the system. It's not even worth it in the long run. If you're, if you're serious about it, I mean, you might make like a quick 20 bucks, but um, yeah, it's just, it's not worth it. So just do everything above board is my advice. You can't really trick Google or Amazon. These big companies, they have very sophisticated ways to track things. So um, yeah, just offer value to the people that come to your websites and you'll do well, I think. Okay. And something that um, you are much, much, much better at than I am is uh, getting the word out there, uh, spreading mm -hmm. the word about who you are and what you do. So could you give a couple of tips about that, please? Yeah, sure. So I think that um, if you're serious about success online, um, generally the people that do the best are the people that are like the faces behind their business. Um, some people start websites and kind of have all these personas, <laughs> which is like kind of these fake people that they make up and write articles in their names and kind of have like these, I don't know, but it's like very obvious if you go to a website, like, wow, they have like all these fake authors for their website, but it's actually one person behind it all. Um, so you'll do the best if you're the face of your business and there's actually a real person um, behind it. So I think that's key. And if you are very, very shy and nervous about like going on podcasts or being on YouTube. Um, Self-publishing is possible um, to do because you don't necessarily need to be like out in public. If you self-published books, you can kind of just post them up on Amazon and hope for the best. However, um, yeah, the people that do the best are out there promoting things in person and are the face of their business. That's good to know. And also about um, how about self-promotion on social media, for example? That's something I absolutely hate to do, as you know well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think I struggled with it a little bit when I lived in Korea. Um, I think in Korea, I don't know what it is about that place, but it kind of attracts... Oh, sorry. That's my cat, Lucy, who wants to be on the podcast as well. Um, Korea kind of attracts, Lucy, you're so loud. It, it kind of attracts the people that are, um, yeah, just like a little bit, 
bitter and a little bit negative about anyone who's trying to do something that's not teach English. So anyone who starts like an expat bar or like, you know, is learning Korean and wants to work at a Korean company or like anyone who's doing something online, something interesting. The other expats, I just feel like would kind of like try to tear them down <laughs> online and just be like quite mean, actually. I, I, I like and like I experienced it, but then I also saw that happen to other expats who I thought were actually doing quite like interesting kind of cool things. Um, so when I lived in Korea, it was, um, yeah, it was tough and it required like quite a thick skin. Um, but once I left Korea, I was actually, I just felt way more free just to be myself. Cause it was like, I wasn't going to run into these people when I was out <laughs> at the bar yeah, or at a I party think... or just like, Oh, go ahead. Uh, I just, I think that that was something that, I always sort of hated in Korea, like whenever, cause I always had podcasts and whatever. And, but then I would like sort of like, it's such a small world there that I would hate to like think about running into people that had listened to the podcast and thought I had said something contentious or whatever. Like mm -hmm. um, I'm not somebody who likes to start a fight or get into a big debate with people you know, I have my opinions, but I don't want to like have a big throwdown with somebody over them. And so <laughs> yeah. like I was always, um, yeah, I always sort of hated meeting people unless they came up and they were like, oh my God, I love your podcast. Well, then that was great. That was me. I think I was like a super <laughs> fan of your soul podcast <laughs> back in the day. I like loved it. So <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. But, um, yes, you're but welcome. I always felt like you know, there's, there's going to be people who um, I rubbed the wrong way and I didn't want to know about it. Like I didn't want to meet them in person and, and like have to justify myself, which I know is like sort of, uh, it's pretty lame, <laughs> you know, like if you put yourself out there, you have to be able to like back it up. But I, yeah. I feel like I, um, I don't really say stuff that's meant to be provocative. So mm. if, if I accidentally make someone really angry, then I just, kind of want to apologize and back away like I don't want to fight yeah. them but in Korea yeah, I feel like I, there were lots of people who uh, lived for the fight yeah it was it was tough and I felt like I did say some kind of controversial things um on my website um which I actually believed but it was like I didn't necessarily want to like talk about it all the time or have people like yeah kind of come like attack me in person like I would talk about it if people were open-minded about hearing my side of it but I think I wrote some things that kind of like struck people kind of at the core of like yeah their I remember identity and who they were that really um one I remember the title was like uh don't waste your time in Korea and yes exactly um and all it was was um you have a fair bit of free time compared to any other teaching job that you would have back home. So mm -hmm. like, don't spend all of that extra time just playing computer games. Like, yeah, something sure. to, I said to move forward mm -hmm. the needle a little bit somehow, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I said, study Korean or do a master's degree or like start a blog, like get really healthy and run a marathon. Like, I don't know, just like whatever you are interested in, like use your time. Yeah. time well to like and then think about the future and set yourself up for success in the future but people just read the title yeah and 
I think, kind of I think came. some people read it and were like still losing their minds. And there were other people mm. who were like, look, she's just saying to, you know, do something with your time. Don't be a lazy bum, <laughs> you know, like don't, yeah, exactly. don't while away five or 10 years of your life and then go back home and you've got nothing but a five or 10 year gap in your resume, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then I also wrote another article. It was like, call me whatever you want, just not professor. (laughs) Because, (laughs) you know, I don't have a PhD in like English literature and I didn't have to like, you know, coach PhD like D students. I didn't have to go to like the membership training or whatever, any of that stuff, um, like real professors would at a Korean university. So um, I didn't consider myself a real professor. I considered myself an English teacher at a university, which is exactly what I was, or like an English lecturer even at a university. And so, but some people found most of their identity in yeah. being a professor. So yeah. they were they were really people were angry, angry about it. And <laughs> I just was like, Do you have a PhD in whatever English? No, you don't. So you're not actually a professor. Can you go get a professor job in Canada? No, you can't actually. So yeah. um so that was like very controversial at the time. And yeah, definitely I got like a lot of a lot of flack, but I also got a lot of traffic to those websites. So, I mean, if you can write things on your websites that actually matter and actually kind of like strike deep at what people, their identity or what they, um, yeah, just say something interesting. Yeah, I guess um, that's the key. Not rude, but interesting. Have a different viewpoint about things and um, you'll be successful. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I imagine I didn't I don't think I read that post about don't call me professor or it didn't like stick in my memory um, because I didn't teach at a university except for one semester uh, and I got out of there as quickly as I could. Um, (laughs) But uh, I knew people, especially like the old timers who had sort of dug in and they would gotten their jobs with bachelors and they were the ones who were like super hardcore, like I'm a professor blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whatever. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I never, I just always thought like, oh, you're ridiculous. Well, I didn't think they were ridiculous. I just thought like, that's not me. Like that's your identity and that's fine, but that's not my identity. So it's like, I had no association to that, you know, like title. And I would always tell my students, just call me Jackie. (laughs) I'm just a person. I'm a person who's teaching you English. Like you don't need to call me professor Bolin. It's like, I always felt uncomfortable with that. And I just was more, I would do tests and, you know, do all the things I needed to do, but I was more informal. So where some people just found their whole like kind of meaning in life as, as that, and which was okay for them, but it just, yeah, they weren't happy (laughs) to like hear another viewpoint on that kind of thing. So, um, okay. So we're running out of time, Jennifer, do you have any like final thoughts or questions or anything? I think if you had one piece of advice, like something that somebody could do tomorrow to start in some way an online stream of income, what would your advice be? I think that the future of online is um, audio and visual content. So um, I think like a podcast or YouTube are kind of the way to go. Um, these days, um, 10 or 20 years ago, it was all about websites and the written content. And um, yeah, but I'm doubling down these days on YouTube. And this podcast is um, 
I don't know, we're semi-regular <laughs> doing the podcast, <laughs> but um, I'm way more um, yeah, invested in my YouTube channel. And I just think that's kind of the way of the future. So um, just choose a platform. And by platform, I mean a website, YouTube, podcast, whatever you're going to do, and then just do it well. And if I was starting on something, I would recommend probably YouTube is probably the most potentially lucrative um, thing to, to get started. And yeah, you can monetize YouTube and people make full-time livings off of it. So um, English teachers, I think, might make quite good livings off of YouTube. And you can sell your books, you can like promote um, links to social media, other social media stuff, websites, like whatever, that kind of thing. So um, yeah, there's a lot of potential, but think probably audio and visual more than the written written word. Yeah, do the, yeah, for, I think probably for as many podcasts have sprung up over the past two years, there's still probably a hundred times more blogs out there. Uh, mm. So Yeah. Good advice, I think. And podcasts, um, there are some kind of ESL teacher podcasts out there, but they seem to last for like a year or two and then kind of just fall by the wayside. So if you can start something and then just keep it going consistently um, for a number of years, don't give up when you don't get a ton of traction <laughs> initially. Um, you just have to keep going and just kind of like have faith in yourself that as long as you're putting out good quality content, um, that yeah, the people will come eventually and, um, you'll gain a following and you'll get subscribers and that kind of thing. But you have to be consistent about providing, um, content for people to consume. I, I feel attacked. <laughs> oh no Jennifer. no you actually you know what jennifer we sometimes don't update or like like come out with new podcast episodes and then jennifer um is the one that always emails me and it's like hey let's do a podcast so you actually i i really appreciate that um and we get um emails from our podcast hosts buzzsprout and they're like hey, you have like 7,000 downloads. And it's kind of like, I just look at that email and I'm like, oh, I should do another podcast episode. I should contact Jennifer. And then I delete it. But Jennifer will actually like email me <laughs> after we get those <laughs> emails and say like, hey, are we going to do another one? So don't be you too hard on yourself, the best Jennifer. in me in terms yes. of getting something out there. <laughs> yes. Oh, I appreciate, I appreciate you doing this because Jennifer and I wrote a whole bunch of books together um, back in the day. And um, yeah, we don't do that together anymore, but it's like good to be back um, doing something together again, yes. for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. So that's maybe a good place to end. Um, if people want to find me online, they can go to eselectivity.org slash podcast, and then you can find all the episodes, all the information, as well as all the links to the socials. Um, and Jennifer, I, you, I, you're doing a new blog post. So where can people yeah. check that out? Yes. Teachtravellearn.com. As long Perfect. as this doesn't come out too quickly. <laughs> it should be. Well, you have like two weeks or something like okay. that. So. <laughs> so, yeah. So I believe in you. You can do it. Okay. Regular updates. <laughs> all about that. Okay. Until next time. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye.